Hey, so my name is Matthew. If you are new here, you're new to Jesus, or you're just new to our church, I want to welcome you. I hope you've had an amazing summer so far. And um, if you are new to Jesus, um, we hope that today you get a glimpse of who Jesus is and um, of, uh, of his heart for you. And so you might be on a journey, uh, and, and I hope that you just really sense uh, something powerful about Jesus here today. So I'm really glad that you're with us if you are new. Um, I, uh, every seven years, our church is so generous. Um, the elders of our church, you guys as a, as a church body, are so generous to bless our pastors with a sabbatical every seven years. And so every seven years, all the pastors on our team get uh, three months off um, for rest, for research, further study. And uh, so I just got back from that, uh, June, July, and August here. I was away with my family, and, um, and uh, we missed you, and we got to go on a, a little bit of a loop. We, we hopped in our, our van uh, on June 15th, and we headed south through Washington and started camping. We camped down the Oregon coast and into California and, uh, and got to see my family uh, in, in Southern California, and then we, we drove over to Oklahoma, from California to Oklahoma, saw some sights on the way, and hung out with my family in Oklahoma, and then drove from Oklahoma to Alberta. Yikes, that was a little bit of a drive. And uh, saw a whole lot of nothing. I was, uh, you know, driving through northern Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, you know, eastern Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana. And you're like, overpopulation, really? Is this? No, I don't think so, no. Uh, so anyway, it was, but it was a great, uh, great summer, and thank you guys for praying. Um, kids, I know you're in the service with us. Hi, kids, can I... Say hi to you. Can you wave at me just so I see you're here? You guys are here? Awesome. Kids, I want to tell you a story because um, when we went on uh, this journey on the sabbatical, we were praying for like God moments. I really wanted my three kids, Lucy, Ella, and Micah, to, to see God. Uh, at work. And uh, I'll tell you this little fun story really quick. We, um, some of you guys were praying for our van. <laughs> our van has a lot of character. Um, and so uh, anyway, so we, we were hoping the van would make it on this loop uh, across North America. And, um, and, and so we were driving in Southern California and it was like 42 degrees. It was like super hot. And all of a sudden we're in, I don't know if you guys have been on those California freeways, but on the, there's like four normal lanes and the left lane is like an HOV lane, but it's blocked off. Like once you get on the HOV, you can't get off of it for a long time. So we were on one of those when our daughter Lucy, her, her stomach started hurting really bad. She started crying. And so we're like, oh no. So um, I put my, the HOV lane ended and I put my right blinker on and I took the very first exit. Like I went right blinker and I was like one lane, two lane, three lane, four lane, exit, right? Whatever exit that was. And we get off the exit and there's a restaurant right there. So my wife and Lucy, uh, Tanya and Lucy jumped out of the car and she, she went inside uh, to go to the bathroom because she had just this painful stomach. Well, she came out and she was completely fine. But while she, when she came back out, um, I noticed that our car was, uh, the, a battery light had come on and it had gone ding right when I was like moving the lanes over. And I was like, oh, the battery light. Oh, no, sorry, not the battery light. The, yeah, the battery light. That's what, anyway, <laughs> Matthew, get your story straight. And so, um, so anyway, and I was like, oh, the battery, I'm sure it's no big deal. You know, when lights come on in your dashboard, we all ignore them, right? And so I was like, I'm just going to ignore this one. And then I kind of felt like the car start to die, like, you know, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I'm quickly Googling this and they're like, it's your alternator. I don't know what an alternator is. Uh, uh, yeah. All you car people, <laughs> you know what it is. I came from more of an artistic family. Um, so, so, I, so, this, so then I, I actually Googled alternator and there, and I was a battery light when driving and it was like, oh, it's your alternator 
find help quick. Well, I start to feel like the car is dying. So, so Lucy's fine. So that's good. Um, she's the one that got us off the exit, which was great. She's back in the car. I start Googling mechanic shop on Google. And you know how there's like the blue, like there's like the blue dot. And then there's pins that show you where the mechanics are. There were like four pins on top of the blue dot. I was like, that means they're close. So all I did is I looked up and there's mechanic shop one, mechanic shop two, mechanic shop three, mechanic shop four, right in front of me. All I had to do was look up. I didn't need Google. So I like put it in drive and it's dying. Like I could feel the car dying. I park in front of the place and kids, it was so cool. Uh, in four hours, uh, a new alternator was put in, $1,000 later, and, uh, and then we were on the road. And it just felt like God was there. Like God, and for my kids, that was like a God moment, right? It was like so cool the way it all worked out, the timing, the fact that we went off on an exit where there were mechanics. So anyway, kids, I just want to share that story uh, and encourage you guys to find those God moments, those moments when God is at work and he's doing things um, in really cool ways, uh, if only we have eyes to see it. So my kids were encouraged with that story. Um, but anyway, um, uh, we, we ate way too much on the trip and we're rolling back into Canada after a lot of Mexican food, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out, etc. Hey, this Thursday, we have our Abide Night of Worship and Prayer. Um, so this Thursday night, would you join us? We're going to begin the year in worship. And so it's going to be an evening. Uh, when you've heard it advertised before, Night of Worship and Prayer, uh, that's what Abide is. And so we're just calling it Abide. And uh, please come this Thursday night. This Thursday is going to feel a little bit different. It's going to be a full night of worship. So it's going to be all worship, and our prayer team will be there to pray, um, and there can be prayer for one another, but it's going to be an evening of worship. And I can think of no better way to start our year than on our knees, as a church on our knees, in worship and in prayer. So would you come join us Thursday night uh, for Abide? Let's pray. So God, we are so grateful that you are here, that you are with us. And we pray that in the coming minutes, you would minister to us. Lord, I lift up my friends who are new to Jesus. I lift up my friends in the room who are feeling dry, who are feeling bitter, who are feeling cynical, who are feeling lost. I lift them up to you. And Lord, I pray a very simple prayer that they would see you. So would you come, Holy Spirit, draw us to the Father we want to gaze upon your beauty in the coming minutes. We love you and trust you. Amen. Okay, so for the next three weeks, we are recapping. The, uh, it's a vision series. For the next three weeks, we are talking about the project that we as a church are on. And many of you know this. The project that we're, we're, we're all about is to become disciples of Jesus. Um, or the language we've been using is to be an apprentice of Jesus, to come under the master teacher and to learn from him everything that he commanded because we want him to shape us and change us and form us. And so there's been a, a verse, Matthew 4.19, that has kind of uh, informed uh, what it means to follow Jesus for us. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of people. Notice that little line, I'll make you. He's ready to shape you, to change you, to transform you. Uh, like a piece of art. And so the plan is that one by one, for thousands of years, for the last 2,000 years, Christians have uh, sought to follow him, to be shaped by him, um, as we are his pieces of art, as he, as he forms us into his image. So today, week one, uh, I just have a very simple message, and it's this. It's that following Jesus is a journey of joy. No matter what it is you're walking through, that there can be joy and it's really, really good news. 
25 years ago this month, uh, my favorite Christian singer-songwriter died in a car accident. His name was Rich Mullins, and his lyrics have inspired the next three weeks. I want to talk a lot about the joy of Jesus. So I want to just kind of pray this benediction over you as we begin. May the joy of Jesus be in you. May the joy of Jesus be with you. May you know the joy of Jesus, and may the joy of Jesus be in you. All right, I know that there are, are, are pro-Disney people and anti-Disney people, right? I know there are people that you would never waste a single dollar on Disneyland, right? You're just like, no, the consumerism, the, the mess of that place, uh, it's just a waste of time. Some of you have lost your mind, and you are like way too into Disney. And uh, you're addicted, really, let's just say it. You're, you're addicted to Disney. Um, but I don't know what camp you fall into. Uh, maybe you're kind of in the neutral middle. But uh, there's two ways to do Disneyland, I, I realize. So we took our kids there. That was one of our stops in Southern California. Let me, let me, let me describe one way to do Disneyland. It's awful. It's the most awful places on earth. It's hot. It is so hot. The lines. Just picture yourself. You, you pay this money, and then you just stand with sweaty people in long lines. And we, we got caught in the Jungle Cruise. You've been on that one before? Jungle Cruise. And we're winding our way through this line with just hundreds, if not thousands of people to go on a ride that, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? I don't think so. And, uh, and then the app. If you've been to Disneyland recently, you know, the app, you have to be like a nuclear physicist to figure the thing out. You have to just figure out the app. And I know some of you are good at the app, but for some of us, it takes a little bit longer. And you're trying to find pineapple Dole Whip somewhere in like the Adventureland or something like that. And you're like, where is the pineapple Dole Whip? And it's like, you know, $50 for this little tiny ice cream. And so you can get this perspective, you know, I, and we, we couldn't find Spider-Man, right? You can never find the, the, the characters you want to find. So you have to settle for like, you know, Black Widow and Ant-Man you know, in some <laughs> corner. Uh, and, so, and, you're, and so there is a way to do Disneyland where it is just like glass half empty. You know what I'm saying? You can't, in your mind, begin to think about the visa bill of what this is going to, you know, become, especially when it's all converted to Canadian dollars. And you're, you know, your, your gaze is low, right? You're just like, what am I doing in this place, right? Or there's another way to think about Disneyland, Right? Or you could be like, Matthew, give your head a shake. You're at Disneyland, right? See it in a different perspective. Open your eyes. Matthew, you have been wanting warm weather and sunshine all year long. You have dreamt about warm weather and sunshine in the bleak wetness and darkness of the lower mainland, right? And you're with your kids at Disneyland and they're seeing it for like the very first time. And, and then this kind of thing is, is happening. He finds him. He finds him out of nowhere. We abandoned Ant-Man and Black Widow. We're like, nope, we're going for him. We're going for Spider-Man. And he gave him a lesson on web-slinging, right? And he took time with my son. And I'm like, this is happening. And then, and then this is happening. My mother is dancing with Goofy. <laughs> he, Go, Goofy took a liking to my mother. Uh, very, they were dancing. He was twirling her around. Uh, they were having a moment. And... Um, and then you're like, this place is great, right? Like, if only I have eyes to see it. Like, it's, you could do Disneyland in two very different 
sets of perspectives, right? Uh, we know that, and sometimes it changes very quickly from moment to moment, right? Uh, when you're at Disneyland. And it's like, look, catch the vision, lift up your eyes. It is so easy to miss it. It's easy to miss it. And I thought about Disneyland when I was thinking about this, the Christian life, and I was thinking like, that's me, that's me. Like, I can miss it. I can miss the joy of Jesus when my gaze is low. And when I am focused on all the things that distract me and pull me aside, the things that are going wrong, the things that are not working. And yet, if I, and, and, and I feel, like spiritually speaking, I have a vision problem. I have a seeing problem, a perspective problem. And I, my eyes are not fixed on the one thing, or you could say the one, who would restore all joy, who would restore all joy. And today I believe that the joy of Jesus is here in the room because he's here. He's here. And my prayer for this morning, and the prayer team prayed earlier, and we have been praying that, I mean, it's an, it's an audacious prayer, but that all of us in the room, not just like a pocket of us, but that all of us today, that we would pray, God, open our eyes, that we might see you, Jesus that we might see you. Spirit of God, that we might see you and that you would fill us with joy. Flannery O'Connor in her book, Mystery and Manners, says this, quote, there is a type of modern man who can neither believe nor contain himself in unbelief and who searches desperately, feeling about in all experience for the lost God. Notice that last line, feeling about in all experience for the lost God. Is that you? Are you feeling about as though you're just kind of moving around in the dark, trying to feel, to taste joy, to experience joy? That's me. Might be you, but it's definitely me. I feel about in all experience for the lost God. I can't see. I can't see, I feel like I'm in the dark. As Johnny Cash sings on The Wanderer, we want to taste and touch and feel as much as a man can before he repents. We're trying to taste joy in things that cannot give us that joy. We're trying to touch joy, to feel joy. But I'm not looking. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm moving about in the dark and I, I can't see, I've got this vision problem. And there's a character in a story that Jesus told that has a vision problem as well. And he is one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible. Now, I say character because it's a story of fiction. Jesus tells what's called a parable about these two sons. Let me just recap the story. If you're new to Jesus, uh, this will be a new story. Uh, some of you have heard this a thousand times, but I want you to hear it again as though it's for the first time. There's a father who loves his two sons. And the younger son tells his father that he's done, he's out. He wants his inheritance now. It's as though he'd be saying to his father, you're dead to me and I'll take my inheritance now. And he goes off to a faraway land where he wastes the money in wild living. And a famine hits the land and he's lost it all. And he finds himself in a terrible job working with pigs and wanting to eat the food that pigs ate. And he's really hit a low, really low point in his life. And so he decides to go back to his father. And he thought, I'm not going to go back as a son, but I'll go back as like a slave or a servant. And as he comes back home, he sees his father and his father runs to him. It's a beautiful moment in the Bible. His father runs to him and, 
Jesus is telling this story so that we would see the love of God, right? God is like a father who runs to us. And the father in the story runs to the younger son and, and puts a robe on his back and gives him sandals on his feet and puts a ring on his finger. And, and then it says, go kill the fattened calf. We're going to start a big banquet and uh, we're going to celebrate. We're going to party because this son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And it's just this beautiful first half of the story. But then we pick up on the older brother. You see, the older brother's been home the whole time, the whole time. He's been the good son. He's been working in the fields for his father. He's been doing all the right things. And Jesus is telling this story to Pharisees. Some of you may not know who Pharisees are. They were a group of leaders in the nation of Israel who did things right. They followed the law. They were the good citizens. They were the good older sons, right? And they were troubled by all these people that Jesus was associating with. And so Jesus is unpacking the story for them to just to see, to come to know the love of God, right? So let's move on to the older brother. There's an older brother, and I want to read the story about this older son, starting in verse 25 in Luke 15. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours Notice he says, son of yours, not my brother. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Now, now this is my favorite character uh, in the Bible. Um, the older, the older son. Pick, I, I would like you, if you could, to find a way in which you identify with the older son this morning. Is there a way in which you connect with how he's feeling? I, I connect with him in many ways. Notice the bitterness. Like, I've been at home doing the right thing, and this is how I'm repaid. You know? You're lavishing all of your riches on this one who took away your riches to begin with? Some of this is mine, right? It's bitterness. The legalism, right? The pride. He can't even go into the banquet to worship or to worship, to celebrate with his younger brother. He can't do it. He's got pride. The greed. You name it. And so the older brother has a vision problem. I have a vision problem. There's no joy because he can't see what's in front of him. He can't see it, right? And notice what's happening. The father, the father is right in front of him. The father who noticed his older son is not at the banquet, who noticed his older son is not at the party, runs out to his older son. Who's the prodigal now? Who's lost now? Well, the younger son's at home. 
The older son's lost. But the father's right there. The father's love is right in front of him and he can't even see it. The riches of the father's house are right there. Did you hear the father? He said, everything I've ever had has been yours. His rescued brother is right there. He's got a healed family right in front of his eyes. He cannot see it. He is missing out on the joy of being part of the father's house. Even though the father's right there, the riches of the father's house, his his reconciled family is right in front of him. It's like right in front of him. But he's not looking. See, if only the older son could have heard John's encouragement in 1 John 3. See. Look at that first word. Look at that beautiful first word. See. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God and that is what we are. If only the older brother could see it. If only I could see it. If only it could penetrate the hard-hearted, cynical, bitter, greedy, frustrated heart that we older sons have. If we could see with a correct perspective the joy that is set before us. See what great love the Father has lavished on you that you would be called a son and a daughter of God. See it. See it. Stuck in bitterness. Stuck in legalism. Stuck in pride. Stuck in greed. You name it. I told some of you guys this story a number of months ago, but um, uh, my counselor pointed out something powerful about this passage. He pointed out to me that, and I had never seen this before, but he said, Matthew, watch because the father lets the older son vent. Do, do, Do you see the father reprimand the older son? He could have. In this kind of culture, you talk to your dad that way, he could have reprimanded him, but he doesn't. What does he do? He, he lets him speak. The father lets his son speak. The father wants to hear the pain that's bubbling up from his older son's heart. He wants to hear it. I believe that the father loves the older son. He wants Pharisees in the world to get it, to get out of that stuck place of, of cold hearts and to see it. And he lets him vent and he lets him pour out his frustration. You see, the older brother has been stuck in this joyless existence and like raw honesty that bubbles up like the Psalms. He's going to let his father know. But if we're listening closely in his bitter rage, maybe we could hear a child that's longing for love, that's longing for joy. The older brother is my favorite character in scripture because he's me. It's a mirror image of me. I see me in him. I can see it. I can see the hard heart, the bitterness, the legalism, the pride. And the question for me, for Matthew, stuck in joylessness, is Matthew, are you looking? Are you looking? Look. Look at the Father. He loves you. He came out looking for you. He could tell you weren't at the banquet. He longs for relationship with his oldest son. And so I've been thinking a lot about Psalm 27.4. Maybe it could be a scripture that means something to you this season. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Pause right there. Look at that line. To gaze, that's eyesight, it's vision, 
It's perspective to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord to gaze on the beauty of the Father, to gaze on the beauty of the Son, to gaze on the beauty of the Spirit. I believe that changes everything. I believe that perspective shift shapes us. But I have an enemy, and Jesus is clear about that. There's an enemy that doesn't want me to see it. And so what does he do? He pulls a veil over my eyes. Listen, the thief comes, these are Jesus' words, only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now insert the word joy or life or hope in behind those. The thief comes only to steal hope, to steal joy, right? To kill hope, to kill joy, to destroy hope, to destroy joy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's Jesus. So the enemy keeps a veil over my eyes and over your eyes. Are you aware of that? It's not just a Life with you and God, there's a third party. Jesus is clear about that. The enemy keeps a veil over our eyes. And the veil slides over my eyes through distraction, through busyness, through intentional isolation from others, through a lust for pleasure, through feeling sorry for ourselves. The pity parties we throw for ourselves, the complacency, the comparison game with others on social media, being consumed by angry politics of division, all of this steals, kills, destroys our joy. And the weird thing is that when I live with a veil over my eyes, I somehow start becoming pleased with those things. I'm becoming pleased with like the sub-existence. I love this quote from Lewis from The Weight of Glory. Quote, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy, there it is, joy, is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I'm far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased. So today, I, 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 our prayer is that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, these two verses are not on the screen, but just listen to these, powerful. 2 Corinthians 4. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Try to make that happen. Fix your eyes on what you cannot see. I love that in Paul. Come again? <laughs> fix your eyes on what you can't see. Or Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We get a perspective shift, a vision shift, and then he fills us with joy. This fall, I'm wondering what that looks like for you. You don't have to engage in this, right? It's, it's your life. But should you want to lean in? Should you want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? What is that going to look like for you this fall? You know, we, we were able to take our kids to um, the Grand Canyon. And as an American, I'd never been there before. And I always felt a little judgment from people who knew I was American and knew I hadn't been to the Grand Canyon before. It's all right. Um, but... 
But when, when you see it with your own eyes, I know it's like so lame to say, right? But there's the Grand Canyon, and we've seen pictures of the Grand Canyon, but lift your hand. Have you been there? Anyone to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, like half the room. That's good. All of you, half the room, you know that it's like, what do you say to people who haven't been to the Grand Canyon? What, kind of, what would you say? You have to what? You have to see it. You have to see it with your own eyes. You have to be there. You have to experience it yourself. You got to see it. It's, it's, it's incredible to see the handiwork of God in the Grand Canyon, right? It's absolutely powerful. And no picture here could do it justice. And that's what I feel like today. That's, that's my prayer for us, is that, that you would know Jesus. Like, my words are going to fall flat this morning. They're just going to fall flat. But that you would see Jesus, that you would see him yourself. To all of us here today, we find ourselves, for those of you who have found yourselves stuck without joy, this Sunday is for you. It's it's dedicated to you. It's about you. I want you to see him in communion in in a minute. As we pray for one another, as we sing, I want you to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Are you looking? Are you looking? It takes intentionality to look. Um, by the way, I just want to say one quick thing for those of you who are, who are new to Jesus, who want to know more. Maybe you're coming out of having not followed Jesus for a while. Maybe you grew up in the church, but you've kind of left Christianity for a while. Um, maybe you've, you're agnostic, you're atheist, you're just seeking, you've got a lot of questions. Um, maybe some of you are just like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I'm at with God. I would love for you to come to Alpha. Would you come to Alpha this for, the, for eight weeks, Alpha's a program. Uh, my wife and I are part of it. We love Alpha. I think it's the funnest thing we do here as a church family. I'm biased, but um, it's so great. And for eight weeks, those of you who've got big questions about faith, come. And for eight weeks, we sit around tables. We have a great meal together. And we ask some pretty big questions like, who is Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die? Who is the Holy Spirit? How do I pray? so on and so forth. They're just amazing questions. And we get an opportunity to, to see God remove the veil so that, so that some of us could experience Jesus for the first time and to see him for the first time. If that's you, you can register online. It starts September 28th. We would love to have you as a guest. But for those of you who know Jesus and who have followed Jesus and you just find yourself in that place where you feel stuck and dry, What does it look like for you to lean in with your life group or lean in with your apprentice group or lean into the scriptures in the morning? Or what does it look like to serve? You know, one of the ways in which I have found that I can see Jesus at work is when I'm serving, when I'm I'm helping others, when I'm loving others. That's honestly when I begin to see the joy of Jesus at work. And I'd love to just highlight our prayer team. Man, if you want a front line to see God working in people's lives, join the prayer team. I mean, it's an amazing group of people who get to literally pray for people and watch God do the impossible. It's so beautiful. You know, I, I, I love our prayer team. They're amazing. They're actually having prayer training uh, this Saturday. If you're interested, you should go. Um, it doesn't mean you immediately join the prayer team, but you can just receive the training that, that all of our prayer team members are trained with. But that'd be an amazing place to be at the front lines to see Jesus. 
What about loving children and teaching children at Sunday school here at church or whatever it is? I mean, what does this look like for you to change your perspective and to see the work of Jesus? Today's communion Sunday, and, and we were praying earlier that each of us today, as we think about the blood shed for us, Jesus' blood shed for us, Jesus' body given for us, is that we would see him today. So, as we approach communion, I want you to listen to John the Baptist. Listen to his advice. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see that first word? Look. Are you looking? Look. Jesus, remove the veil from our eyes that we would see you. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Keep looking. Keep looking. This communion Sunday, I want you to look at something very specific. Right now, in your mind's eye, can you see the cross? Can you see Jesus crucified for you? And as he's on the cross, would you notice his side? Notice his side. He was pierced. A Roman soldier pierced his side. In John 19, we read this. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Now, it looks so tragic and devastating when we see Jesus pierced side. I want to fill you with hope. I want to fill you with hope. Did you know that 500 years before this moment, before the moment Jesus was pierced, the prophet Zechariah spoke of a day when God would be pierced? Did you know that? And this is God speaking 500 years before the cross. Listen to this. This is blow your mind. Listen to this. God speaking, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, catch it, to cleanse them from sin and impurity. Notice this. On the day that God is pierced. Do you notice that? On the day that God is pierced. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. This is God speaking. That on that day, on that very moment that God is pierced, all the people will be cleansed of sin and impurity. Come on. Are we seeing it? See, I can walk around my whole life and not see it, but if I look to the cross and if I see the pierced side of Jesus, this is one of just an entire kaleidoscope of things you could see at the cross, but this is just one, and I want to focus on this one, that if you look here, if you see the pierced side of Jesus, then you will see a fountain, a fountain that will open up, a fountain of blood and water, blood of the new covenant that would cleanse you from sin, water that would be poured out, an image of the Holy Spirit of God to cleanse you from all impurity. And what flows is blood and water, water, do you see it? Would God open your eyes that you'd see it? The blood of the new covenant and the water of life, and it's for you. 
And even when you come with that raw honesty of an older son, the father meets you with his blood and with his water to sanctify you, to cleanse you, to welcome you back into the banquet hall, to be part of the celebration because you were lost and now you're found and you were dead and you're alive again. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the pure side of our Lord and Savior and for the blood that cleanses you and the water that purifies you. So one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And here it is, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. How are you going to gaze on the beauty of the Lord? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Gaze upon the cross and see the beauty of our Lord and seek him in his temple. It changes everything changes everything. And so on this communion Sunday, are you looking? Remember the father from our story? Look at him now in your mind's eye and as he runs to you and finds you out in that field, stuck in your bitterness and cynicism and dry heart and legalism and greed and pride, he comes out and when his arms are open, Those open arms of the Father look awfully like the pierced hands of Jesus. That open arm, wide, wide open for you. Such an expanse of love for you. And you hear the Father say, my son, my daughter, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. Do you see him? Jesus, we want to see you. We come now and we confess our sin to you and we are sorry for the ways in which we have turned astray. And each of us, like the older brother, we're stuck. We're so stuck. Would you liberate us? Would you free us? Would you break some chains today? Would you heal some hearts today? And finally, you turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look at those arms outstretched. Would you just simply pray, Jesus, give me vision. Give me eyes to see you. Fill me with joy in your presence. Jesus, even though we're walking through all kinds of stuff, seeks to steal our joy would you fix our eyes upon you that no matter what pain and suffering and frustration and sickness and sadness and whatever it is we're going through God give us a vision to see you because to see your pierced side is is enough to see your pierced hands it's enough to fill us with the confidence that you love us It's enough to fill us with joy in your presence. Even though our worlds fall apart, you're enough. You're everything. Would would you fill us with that opportunity once again to receive your love here at communion?